Mick Dittman is squeezing through on naturalism's emanations there with heroicity and here comes Viander Cross, Viander Cross down the outside is motoring home, naturalism the leader, Viander Cross inch by inch is wearing him down, naturalism still in front, he ran out near the line but naturalism wins at a half This podcast the is brought to you by finish. Racing New Cavalry South Wales, Sky Racing and Pride's Easy Feed. How's this for a race program on Saturday, February 25th at Royal Randwick? Two Group 1s, three Group 3s. Sharing top billing are the Chipping Norton Stakes and the Surround Stakes, each offering a purse of $600,000. Now, to say the Chipping Norton has been won by some great horses is a gross understatement. This race has been won by many champions since its inception almost a century ago. Windbag, three-time winner Lochner, Farlap, Burnborough, Tullock won it twice, Superimpose won it twice, Octagonal pinched it in 1997, Ty the Knot made it his own in four consecutive years and it took the great winks to equal that record and then there was Very Elegant in 2020 and 2021. The surround stakes was inaugurated in 1979 to honour the memory of the gallant grey filly who won the 1976 Cox Plate. Many three-year-old cults have won the great race in its century-old history, but surround is the only three-year-old filly. On a sentimental note, the great Guy Walter will be honoured by a Group 2 race carrying his name and sponsored by Jamie Walter's Proven Thoroughbreds. A remarkable horseman and a universally respected man, Guy Walter died suddenly in 2014 at just 59 years of age. The golden slipper picture will look a little clearer after the running of the Sweet Embrace and the Skyline Stakes on the same day. Sydney will host elite racing every Saturday right through to the championships on the 1st and 8th of April. Popular jockey Christian Reith made a quiet return to race riding at the Newcastle meeting on the 4th of February with one ride for his good supporter Jason Deemer. And he was pretty chuffed to finish third on decadent tail and his riding career was back on track. It was almost 10 months to the day since a race fall at Newcastle had left him with a fracture to the T3, T4 vertebrae, which doctors believed would keep him out for a full year. Such was Christian's commitment to his rehabilitation program that he was given a two-month reprieve. There's no such thing as a good time for any jockey to sustain an injury, but in Christian's case, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. He'd ridden 57 winners with four months of the season to go and he was fairly flying. Since making the commitment to concentrate on the provincial and country circuit, he'd garnered the support of many strong stables. Queensland-born Reith has ridden close to 1,600 career winners, which includes around 57 stakes races. He's been in the Group 1 winner's circle four times. In an era when jockeys are staying around much longer than the riders of yesteryear, Christian is a mere slip of a lad at 44. This interview was recorded on Thursday, February the 9th. Since then, he's ridden at Newcastle on Saturday the 11th and Newcastle again on Monday the 13th. And I hope a winner or two came out of those Newcastle meetings. But as we speak... He's waiting for that first winner to come around. Christian, thanks for your time. Good to speak to you, John. 
You were on a grey mare called Graphite Mist in a maiden at Newcastle last April. The horse on your inside had been laying out from the top of the straight, and just as you dropped off, that horse ducked out again and you were unable to miss its heels. Your mare had no hope of staying up. No, it's just one of those incidents, isn't it? Um, you know, things, that's what happens in racing, unfortunately. Um, that's that's part of our job, but um, could have been a lot worse, but, you know, we come out of it not too bad. Christian, it's a fact, isn't it, that you, you can clip heels 50 times and not fall, and then one day your horse... They seem to get their foot caught in the pastern of the horse in front. Yeah, they just they knocks their feet out from underneath them more or less. Um, the position the horse was in that I was riding had her head turned out, so she couldn't probably she couldn't be as balanced as I could want her to be. And mm. when she did get a heel, she just couldn't get her leg down in time, and um, unfortunately she fell. But main part was that she came out of it unscathed and um, that was, you know, that was probably the best part of it. Mm. When the T4 fracture was diagnosed, the specialist didn't mince his words, did he? No, um, it was actually T3, T4, um, Mm. compressed fractures. Um, He more or less said don't even bother thinking about even coming back within 12 months, um, 12-month mark, then we'll, then we'll wait and see, see how it's come along and hopefully you can start doing something after that. So, um, you know, it was kind of a bit of a big pill to swallow, but um, those kind of injuries, you can't take a second chance. In order to get that early clearance, you must have been very committed to your rehabilitation. How intense was it? Uh, look, it was a lot of rest. Um, obviously, I wasn't leather. Lift, the hardest part was I wasn't allowed to do anything for the first kind of six, seven months. Um, wasn't allowed to lift anything over two kilos, um, no running, nothing like that. So that that was hard. Um, not you know not being able to be active, but I did the rest and uh, did some swimming and stuff like that. So my bones healed well, which was a bonus and. Mm. I was able to come back early, which was was a great sign of relief. Mm. Jockeys on long layoffs all say the same thing. The boredom's the worst part. Yeah, definitely. Um, considering, you know, we're working five, six, seven days a week. We're used to being on the go, um, being active. So when you kind of go from that to doing nothing, it's, you know, mentally it's it's challenging. So... Uh, that's pro- that was probably the hardest part of the injury. Um, the the pain-wise and all that, that was pretty much gone after a month, mm. month and a half. I felt like I could ride again, but mm. mentally getting through that, um, not being able to not being able to ride and not being able to work, that was probably the toughest part of it. During your rehab, you relocated to beautiful Nelson Bay, which tells me that you intend to ride principally from here on in in the Hunter and further north on occasions. Will you be riding any work at Newcastle? I do ride work. I ride work every morning since I've been back, uh, since the start of January. Um, yeah, I, I'm doing it because I miss it mainly and more to just 
get the feel back in and um, get the fitness up. So I'm enjoying it, getting back into routine of everything. So um, everyone's quite surprised that I've been going every morning. So yeah, <laughs> it's, good um, it, it's just good to be back, John, to be honest. Um, mm. it, it's it's weird that how much you can actually miss something that, you know, drives you mad at times. But when you can't, can't do it, it drives you mad because you can't do it. So, yeah, of course. Since the injury, I've kind of had a different look at, um, kind of different look at aspects about what we do, and I feel, you know, this time through, I just, I'm just more, more committed to what I, to to riding, and more focused and keen, and really looking forward to getting back into the swing of things. There'll be the odd occasion when a talented horse lures you to town. And that's going to happen on Saturday the 18th when you ride Prometo in the Hobartville Stakes at Rosehill Gardens. You won a maiden on this horse at Newcastle a year ago. Two weeks later you came to town to win the Group 2 Skyline Stakes on him at Randwick and uh, you had a, quite a rap on him. The very fact that you got to Randwick that day was a pointer in itself. Yeah, it was raining pretty heavy that day. Um, mm-hmm. I remember pulling up to the car park and it was absolutely pouring. And I said, oh, by the time I get in there, they're going to call these off. But luckily enough, the rain kind of subsided a bit, allowed us to get out there. And, you know, I was confident he'd run well. Um, obviously, he was stepping up from a 900-metre maiden Newcastle to, you know, Group 2 level. But from the day dot that I rode him and rode him at Newcastle, he just gave you that feel of, a lovely moving horse, and he was able to do that on that sad day. And, um, you know, he's, he's uh, been riding him work every morning, and he's come mm-hmm. back in, in great style, and he's feeling good. Mm-hmm. Well, after that skyline win, he went for a spell, you got hurt, and you didn't get to ride him in his five spring runs, all of which, every one of them, at group level. He battled in a couple of them. But he ran one cracking third, didn't he, to Cascadian in the Craven Plate? Yeah, well, look, I know he won a 900-metre maiden, but after I won on him, I said to Dave, I said, this is a dead-set 10-felon horse. And mm-hmm. he was, oh, really? And I said, yeah, he just he just covers the ground well. He does it with ease. And, um, you know, this prep, he's, he's come back. And like I said, I've been riding work every morning and, just getting him to relax and just getting him to do things right this time through and I've uh, jumped him out and trialled him um, this time and he, he jumped a bit better, which he can be a bit slow. Hmm. Um, so he he, just, he starts in the Hobartville on the 18th, so really looking forward to getting back on his back and hopefully he's in for a good prep. You know, in an era when loyalty is pretty scarce in racing, it's nice to see owner, Mr Chidgy and David Atkins, put you back on a horse of obvious talent. Yeah, no, it's great, you know, and um, I'm very thankful for that and just try to show my thanks, so, you know, putting the work in and, um, you know, hopefully we can reward Dave and, um, and everyone with this horse performing this preparation, so... Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm quite quite happy the way he is going at the moment. So hopefully, he can 
step up to the mark this time and um, get some results. You were apprenticed to Fred Thomas in Brisbane, who was a great supporter, but he didn't supply your first winner. That honour went to Terry Hoare, who put you on a horse called Sir Ive at Bow Desert in August of 1994. Pretty special thing, that first winner, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Obviously, everyone remembers their first one. Um, and unfortunately, the racing only remember your last one. So that <laughs> my last one was nearly a year ago. So, um, you know, look, no, that was good. And, you know, a lot of waters went under the bridge since then. But um, really looking forward to getting back in the swing of things, like I said, John. And, um, you know, hopefully we can start building up the um, – to come back a little bit more, I just wanted to give myself just a couple of weeks to kind of just settle back in and mm. just kind of just poke along, um, get the feel back. And said day I pulled up, you know, first meeting back, I just pulled up a little bit. Um, bit big. A little bit, little bit big. Um, <laughs> but I found, I found on the Monday I, I was much better and, mm. you know, um, it's just about just managing getting my weight down now and, Obviously, I thought I had a little bit more time to kind of do that. So when, you know, Dr. Cree told me um, just before January that I'd probably be back race riding February, kind of threw the spanner into the work. So everything was kind of, um, everything's kind of been uh, all systems go and trying to get it done a little bit quicker than I wanted to. But Mm. it's coming along good and um, I feel really good. So... Yeah, just hopefully just start building, um, you know, clientele back up and um, getting those winners coming along. Mm. After that first win at Bow Desert all those years ago, it's just as well you didn't expect instant stardom because it was a year before your first city winner came along and that was Tan Rose's boy at Doombin for your boss, Fred Thomas. Yeah, and um, great... Great owners and friends, Mr. and Mrs. Banks. Um, mm. That was the old Doombin track before they did it up. So, mm. um, no, that that was a good – that was good. It was on a Wednesday midweek meeting. So, no, that was a big thrill. Mm. Christian, you were in your mid-teens when you and Brian York fell in the Caloundra Guineas in the straight. You actually collapsed in the jockey's room later you were rushed to hospital with a very, very heavy concussion. And your doctors linked that fall to the depression issues that you've had to deal with since and a few other problems along the way. You really hit the wall during a three-month stint in Macau in 2003. And despite the fact that you were in a bad place psychologically, you rode 47 winners in 12 weeks. Now, this is the amazing thing about Christian Reith. You've always been able to perform under pressure. Yeah, well, that's 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 the job, John, unfortunately. You've got to be able to handle the pressure. Um, you know, it's, it's on and off the track. Um, you know, I've had, I've had a lot of things to um, kind of deal with and obviously you know I, I didn't approach it the right way and you know I knew substances and alcohol and that to try to 
tried a mask and then um, medicate myself, but, um, mm. you know, a bit older and wiser now, so hopefully that's all behind me and we can look upwards and onwards. Mm. You were still far from well when Graham Rogerson invited you to be one of his stable jockeys at Radwick and he had a big team at the time. Again, you got on top of your health issues to ride a number of winners for Rogerson, including three straight, I remember, on a pretty handy horse called Stadium. And one of those wins was a Group 3, wasn't it, the Summer Cup? Yeah, it was the Summer Cup. Um, that was my first stakes winner down here, I think. And, um, no, it was um, it was good. He was a great supporter of me, Roggie, and uh, he was a good educator um, of knowing the business and what's and whatnot. And, um, no, it was he had a big team then at Randwick and got plenty of winners and uh, we had plenty of success together. Mm. God, he had some horses at the time, Christian. They were in the broom cupboard. <laughs> he knew how to get a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he? <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but they no, were everywhere. He, oh, yeah. He was um, He was really good to ride for. Um, you know, it was something that I hadn't experienced before and it was very hectic but it was good. Um, mm. You know, I learned a lot from him and I think he, he set kind of the groundwork for me and, you know, I learned the ropes down here and how tough it is and, um, it was, you know, it was a good, it was a good learning experience. Mm. An up-and-coming young Warwick farm trainer called Greg Hickman threw a lovely ride your way when he engaged you for Sportsman in the Group Two Expressway Stakes. Sportsman was the horse to get Greg Hickman up and going in the very tough Sydney arena. Do you remember the race? Yeah, it was on the old Kenzo track. Um, come down the outside fence. That was the only place to be when the old Kenzo track was there. And mm. um, no, it was um, it was a good race. Uh, there was some good horses in that race, and um, he just got the right run and got in the right part of the track, and we were able to get him home. Greg, of course, has gone on to better things. He's a very capable horseman. He operates only a small team at Warwick Farm. And he eventually found his dream horse, didn't he, Pirata, who gave him a Group 1 win and was placed in several others. Yeah, well, you know, he, he, thought he was always going to find a good one and he'll probably find another one. But, um, you know, he's good with he, he's very good with his horses, Greg. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't over-exhaust um, them and, just keeps him in good condition and um, all he has to do is just find the right one and he's able to get the results with him. Mm. Well, it all came to a head when you had a complete nervous collapse. It sent you to the right medical people. You underwent an intensive rehab program and then after that you went back to Brisbane and you walked away from racing for a while, didn't you? A complete break. Yeah, I needed a complete break. Um, you know, everything just got a little bit too much. I was dealing with too much and um, just things were out of control. Um, I just had to make the decision and, you know, it was a tough decision and it was kind of wasn't wasn't talked about back when I decided to do what I did and I mm. openly spoke about it and I think hopefully that kind of um, opened a lot of people's minds to be able to, 
be um, open up about their problems and mm. stuff like that. And hopefully what I did was able to help a lot of other people to mm. make those decisions. You've always had that attitude, Christian, which is great to hear and I'm sure it has helped uh, others, particularly jockeys, uh, who've had these uh, serious emotional problems. You know, I think you started to watch Sky Racing again after a while and it was then that you realised, God, I'm missing this. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, with this injury, I think I've missed it more. Um, it's mm. been tough. Um, been very anxious about getting back. I've drove the specialist mad and the doctor's mad trying to, try to get yeah. back earlier. But, um, you know, it's it's a sport that's gruelling and it's, you know, it's very tough. It's, um, but it's, it's something you miss. It's, you know, it, it's embedded in you. So, you know, you, you hate it some days when you're doing it and you mm. curse and swear about it, but when you don't have it, you actually, yeah. you know, you, you need it back in your mm. life, you know, and, and um, you know, hopefully things can kind of get rolling again and we can get back to where we were. Yeah, I'm sure you will, mate. Now, Suddenly you felt like riding track work again. So you turned up unheralded and unsung at Eagle Farm. You needed the support of some well-known trainers and you got it. And two blokes you've never forgotten were Kelly Sweeter and Rob Heathcote. Yeah, um, always rode for Rob and Kelly and, you know, um, good friends of mine, so... It was good to get back and um, back getting abused by Rob, which was fun. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, <laughs> but no, it was good. You know, they were great supporters of me, and you know, we were able to get have great success. And uh, when I was apprentice, I wrote a lot of winners for Rob. So mm. um, you know, it was, it was good to get back and get the old the old band back together. And um, it was a great it was a great starting point. Yes. Well, it was in the 2009-2010 season when you decided to give Sydney another shot, refreshed, healthy and raring to go. You came back mid-season. You rode 44 winners in the last half of that season, 120 the following season and that included 40 in town. You were absolutely on fire thanks to trainers like Tim Martin, John O'Shea, Joe Pride, Paul Massara, Paul Perry and Team Snowden. You were riding a heap of work and travelling all over the place. Yeah, um, no, things kind of um, got going quite quickly. Um, obviously there was a lot of, lot of hours put in that, um, obviously track work and travelling, but success was coming and um, it kept kept the drive up so um, you know Pete was trained for Darley then um, you know they had amazing numbers there and had amazing success there and you know things just snowballed and just kept snowballing and um, I was able to get the results so the the, um, the horses kept coming and the opportunities kept coming yeah. um, obviously 
Oh, Christian, I guess yeah. you to stand by for a moment, mate. We'll just clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll be back with you right after this. Do any of your horses struggle to finish their feeds during a racing preparation? Have you been unhappy with the way they look on race day? Do what many other trainers do with those finicky horses and introduce them to Pride's easy performance. By stimulating their appetites with Pride's highly palatable set recipe feed, you might find they're not leaving a flake in their feed bins. Correct nutrition helps racehorses to deal with the stresses of racing and training. It helps them to get that elusive win when they're in the right race and most importantly, helps them to bounce back after the event. Pride's easy performance provides the ultimate muscle fuel to help horses get to the line while helping them to maintain inner health. Pride's easy performance, the complete nutritional feed for equine performance athletes. My special guest, Christian Reef on the comeback trail and keener than ever. Now, during the decade we've been talking about, four Group 1 winners popped up. The first and the most significant was the Coolmore Stud Stakes on the horse you say is the best you've ridden, the brilliant Nikita, who only started four times. You rode her in all four. You won a Warwick Farm two-year-old race. You won the Silver Shadow Stakes she failed in the Golden Rose at 1,400 metres. Didn't handle the trip, Christian. Dead set sprinter, wasn't she? She was. Um, a scintillating turn of foot. Um, if you could just get her to switch off first half of the race, her, her turn of foot was unbelievable. Um, mm. She was so fast when you let her go. Um, but, you know, that was that, – that's pretty – the most special one for me, you know, it was Derby Day, uh, Flemington, first time down the straight. Mm-hmm. Just got the right run and uh, I knew once I kind of got her off the back of them, she'd, she'd let rip and she didn't. Yeah. You know, she, she, she brained them. Oh, terrific win. And it was six weeks after the Golden Rose, John Thompson did a terrific job to have a fresh and spot on on the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, she she was quite a handful to ride work. She was, you know, <laughs> she was quite sassy, mm-hmm. if you could put it that way. So yeah. um, I, I used to do all her gallops. I went to Melbourne earlier to do, make sure I was doing her gallops and stuff like that. And, no, it was it was a good result for both, uh, for John and myself and obviously Pat Nack. So a lot of pressure was going on uh, going into that race and we were able to get the results. Mm. Breeding buffs will want me to ask you this question, Christian, and I'd value your opinion. How the hell could a mare of such blazing speed produce a dour one-pace plugger like Harpo Marx, who's won five metropolitan races up to 2,400 metres? He doesn't get warm under 2,400. He's out of Nikita. Is he by Galileo? Yeah, yes, he is. Yeah, well, there you go. And because <laughs> I knew that um, that's why Kilmore border to send it to send it to him. Mm. Um, obviously, those things need three laps to warm up. So, <laughs> mm. but um, you know, 
she was she was brilliant. She was so fast. Um, so you know, she was very exciting to ride, and she probably should have been undefeated. She probably should have went into the Golden Rose, but it was kind of an option for them. And um, you know, the fourteen hundred was just a little bit beyond her at that stage. She was just too too sharp for that. So. Mm-hmm. It was good that she was able to bounce back and come out with that Group 1. Mm. Your second Group 1 winner came at the expense of Karen McAvoy, who was under suspension when the Spring Champion stakes rolled around in 2013. Peter Snowden put you on complacent and you got the job done beating a very good horse in Criterion. Yeah, everything went perfect that day. Um, it was pretty much the perfect ride. Jumped out, box seated, peeled around one horse, the leader, and um, I was able to hang on to him up the hill and let him let him rip the last furlong. And yeah, just it was it just everything just panned perfectly. Um, he drew inside, which I was a little bit concerned at first when we first exemptions come out, but it was just able able to get that right run and um, everything went smoothly and that was a great result. Another top trainer in Chris Lees put you on that great old horse Lure Remain in the 2016 Randwick Guineas. You had to travel three wide with cover but that enabled you to keep the favourite press statement in a decent old pocket and it won you the race. Yeah, well, Huey did that to me on press statement the race prior leading into it. So <laughs> did he? I thought I'd return the favour in the main one. <laughs> Good on you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, he was a tough horse and even though he was three wide, he was doing no work. He had plenty of cover and, um, you know, we, we had the favourite where we needed to have it and obviously our danger and, like I said, things you just got to work right in races like that and, um, you know, Biggest part is not panicking. You know, if you if you caught wide, where you're best off just sitting there, sitting quiet, and just biding your time. And we're able to do that. And when we were able to sprint, we were able to put a little bit of a margin on the on press statement, and we we're able to hang on towards the end. Um, the photo I got at home, it's a it's a beauty. Me and Hugh Bowman are in, in sync, in the same style, and um, no, it's probably one of my favourite pictures I've got. I'll see if I can find it and post it with the podcast. Yeah. I love the story of your fourth Group 1 win in 2021. You were riding a million winners on the provincial tracks at the time and your manager, Sean Flaherty, had committed you to a number of rides at a Gosford Saturday meeting. Ron Quinton rings up on the Thursday, I think, out of the blue to offer you the ride on Dixie Blossoms in the Coolmore Classic at Rose Hill. Now, you knew the mare. You'd won the Guy Walter on her previously and I think you'd been placed in a couple of other stakes races. So Sean had the job of apologising to all the trainers who expected you at Gosford. Yeah, that's right. She was probably one of my favourite mares that I've rode through my career and, you know, she... she um she always, she always had that ability. She just had to strike the right race, and um, it was the right race for her. And like I said, those big races, just things have got to go right, which they did that day. And the splits come when I needed them, and 
you know, when when she can get those kind of runs where she can just sit back, just you know, just forward of midfield a little bit, and she had a great turn of foot. She was a big, strong mare, and it was great. You know, it was great for Ron to be able to be able to deliver that Group One winner for him. Well, Ronnie himself couldn't have ridden it better. You gave her a gun run, and she beat El Dorado Dreaming and the Princess Posh, and you had another Group One in the bag. I can remember another occasion when Brad Widdup wanted you for a Kari in a stakes race at Randwick. Sean had locked you in for a heap of rides at Newcastle. You thought a Kari had a good chance in the race and, again, poor old Sean had to make all the phone calls of apology. Yeah, well, it's, unfortunately, sometimes that's how it goes. Um, mm. you, know, um, you know, when you get opportunities like that, you've being a jockey, you jump at them. Um, you know, it's not not every day that you can ride in races like that. So, um, you know, if you get the opportunities, you've you've got to take them. So, you know, when you do take them, you've got to make the most of it and get the results. And if you can do that, you you know, it kicks your career along well. Sean's been with you for a long time, Christian. He does a brilliant job on your behalf. Yeah, he does, the Don Rammer. He does well. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, keep him on his toes here and there and um, rings up stress sometimes, you know, about things. But that's just the business, unfortunately. It's a, the battle of the beast and it's very competitive these days and you just, you just got to keep your head down, your bum up and just keep working away and, and things will come your way. You continued to ride winners right through the intense protocols of the pandemic. Hard to believe racing continued almost unabated at a time when the streets were deserted. It was quite amazing. It was. It was it was surreal riding. You're riding at a Randwick on a Saturday and there's no one there. It's <laughs> mm. in in group races. It's uh it, it was a bit surreal, but um you know the right the right procedures and protocols. It was very strict. We had to we had a lot of protocols to go through. Like people were separated in rooms. You had to do um, continuous tests. Um, so it was very well planned out by Racing New South Wales how they did it. Um, you know, hats hats off to them because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have been able to continue racing and. And um, so it was. It was fortunate for us. Um, you know, a lot of people weren't happy that we were able to work, which I understand. But we had very strict protocols, so mm. um, no, we we're very fortunate. Apart from those four coveted Group Ones we've talked about, you've been successful in another fifty-three stakes races, according to my calculations. You've won six Group Twos. 14 Group 3s and 33 listed races. That's a pretty good record, Christian. Yeah, no, um, I've been very fortunate in my career thus far and hopefully we can we can add to those, to those tallies. Um, so it's all about just finding the right horses, John. Um, finding them and the hardest part is staying on them. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so... You know, that's you know, each day you wake up hoping to throw your leg over one of them, and mm. the day you do, um, you just gotta you gotta get in there and get the work done, and 
get the results for everyone involved and mm. hopefully, you know, hopefully you stay on them. Speaking of staying on them, at the time of your accident last year, you were one of Godolphin's go-to jockeys at those Newcastle Saturday meetings and you were winning races regularly in the Godolphin Blue. Uh, every now and again you'd say to yourself, gee, this will win in town, but the, the likelihood of you being on in town at that stage was fairly remote. Yeah, um, obviously I've had great success not only with Godolphin but Darley and um, also James. I, I was riding Hello Crown in early days and won a couple of stakes races on him and um, I, 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 James wanted me to come back while I was in Hong Kong to ride him in a lead-up race before um, before the Golden Rose, and I was unable to. And Huey, Huey, Huey was able to get on him and stay on him, and he ended up winning the Golden Rose on him. But um, mm. uh, I've had good success, you know, for James as a as a single trainer, and um, obviously his dad Bart and Anthony and all involved and, um, no, I've had good success for everyone. Yeah. Riding out of town doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to have plenty of opposition. There are some very good riders going around in the Hunter region, including those evergreens, Jeff Penzer and Grant Buckley. What great advertisements for the over 40s. Yeah, over fifties. <laughs> <laughs> Telling fibs, are they? Yeah, yeah, they're the old ones in the room. Uh, <laughs> no, they, yeah, they are, they're marvels, aren't they? Um, you know, they're they're riding five, six days a week, and um, you know they just keep keep going through the grind. But they love what they do, and that's why they keep doing it. So, um, you know, it's a hard sport. But what else are we going to do, John? Mm. Oh, yeah. Your new location there at beautiful Nelson Bay gives you comfortable access to Wyong, Gosford, Newcastle, Scone, Musselbrook, and if need be, places like Taree and Port Macquarie are within reasonable reach. So you'll certainly be concentrating on that region. Yeah, of course. Um, like I said, I write work. I've been riding work every morning at uh, Newcastle for you know, great, great, great friends Jason Deemer and Dave Atkins, and no, it's good. I'm enjoying, enjoying going there, and we have good yarns and chats, and um, it's just really good to be back, John. You've been slowly getting the weight down since resuming on the fourth at Newcastle. What do you see yourself uh, at? At what weight will you be comfortable in another month or so? Well, fifty-five. I'm yep. hoping. Um, I just, I just want to do it right this time. Um, I just want to get away from that hard sweating, and especially with the kilometres, you know, you do in this business, you just, it, it's wearing. So, um, you know, I, I go walking every day. Like I said, I ride and work every morning. So. Just slowly chipping away at it, and I've got to ride 56 and a half on Prometo on the 18th, so that's kind of my goal. Um, mm-hmm. Once I can, once I can get my weight down, it'll, it'll be easy to manage. So I got very heavy while I was off, um, heaviest I've ever been. So it's it's been a bit of bit of work, but um, mm-hmm. it's work that keeps you focused. 
I should have asked you earlier about Prometo's long-term goal uh, this time in. He didn't stay in the spring champion stakes last spring. Um, do you think they'll keep him to a mile this time? No, he'll get over a trip. Will he? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, he'll run Hobart Field and he'll be set for like guineas, stuff like that, and probably mm. the derby. So, um, Oh, good, right. I, I I did said think he'll he'll run the Derby trip. I think it's probably the right you know perfect race for him. Mm. Uh, as long as he can just get those lead up races on the way, just going right, and you know his first up run, we just need to make sure you know he begins well and he's able to get the right run. Mm. He's feeling very very good in himself. Um, he's feeling nice and sharp. So really excited about him being back, and hopefully we. Can, Getting not, um, a nice smooth preparation first up run this this time through, and hopefully we can get the results with him. Mm. Were there any excuses in the spring champion stakes? He may have come to the end of it by then, had he? Yeah, he probably just come to the end by then. Um, obviously, he's still very new. He's he's still a big baby, and um, this time through, he just seems a little bit more focused. They've gelled him since, so um, hopefully. Hopefully that's done the trick and um, really looking forward to riding on the 18th. I'm sure you're aware when you pull those purple and white colours on uh, that he's following in the footsteps of a champion who wore the same colours. Yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, no pressure. See how we can go. Yeah, Gunsind, of course. and He's got purple and white halves, purple cap, hasn't he, Prometo? Yeah. Well, with only a handful of realistic chances in most races in Sydney, opportunities are as rare as a blue diamond. James McDonald is on most of the favourites and you've got 10 or 12 good riders falling over themselves to get on one of the other form horses. Uh, And our powerful provincial and country circuit enables riders of talent like Christian Reith to develop a very viable alternative. It's a great outlet for jockeys that uh, struggle a bit in town, Christian, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's very competitive. It's very competitive everywhere. Um, so I, I, I enjoy riding provincials on a sad day and, um, you know, it's a little bit more laid back. It's a little bit more, you know, a little bit easier and you know, it's good company down there. There's a few larrikins, so mm. uh, no, I'm enjoying it. Great to see you back, Christian, as are the thanks, many Johnny. trainers who appreciate the great service you give them. And thanks for joining us on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Johnny. How's this for a race program on Saturday, February 25th at Royal Randwick? Two Group 1s, three Group 3s. Sharing top billing are the Chipping Norton Stakes and the Surround Stakes, each offering a purse of $600,000. Now, to say the Chipping Norton has been won by some great horses is a gross understatement. This race has been won by many champions since its inception almost a century ago. Windbag, three-time winner Lochner, 
Hay, Farlap, Burnborough, Tullock won it twice, Superimpose won it twice, Octagonal pinched it in 1997, Tie the Knot made it his own in four consecutive years and it took the great Winks to equal that record and then there was Very Elegant in 2020 and 2021. The surround stakes was inaugurated in 1979 to honour the memory of the gallant grey filly who won the 1976 Cox Plate. Many three-year-old cults have won the great race in its century-old history, but surround is the only three-year-old filly. On a sentimental note, the great Guy Walter will be honoured by a Group 2 race carrying his name and sponsored by Jamie Walter's proven thoroughbreds. A remarkable horseman and a universally respected man, Guy Walter died suddenly in 2014 at just 59 years of age. The golden slipper picture will look a little clearer after the running of the Sweet Embrace and the Skyline Stakes on the same day. Sydney will host elite racing every Saturday right through to the championships on the 1st and 8th of April.